All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 19 of Barnick's Blazing Hot Podcast. Um, today, we're going to jump into a lot of different topics, um, NFL free agents, players who were just cut and where I think they're going to go. Um, I have some reviews and just a couple different things that have been happening with me. Um, also, I'm going to do a power ranking and preview of the XFL. Um, so if you guys are ready for it, I'll start it now. All right, so starting off with the XFL power rankings. So there are eight teams. I believe there's a, a north and a south division or, or something along those lines. There's just two divisions. Um, so starting off with the worst team in the league, we have the Vegas Vipers. Um, listen, they really don't do anything well. Um, if you look at just the stats alone, they're in the bottom of every category. Um, they've been smacked twice so far in two different games. So they're my number eight. Number seven are going to is going to be the Orlando Guardians. They're a bad team that needs a new identity. Um, I wouldn't say altogether collectively they're a bad team. They have you know a positive outlook, but I think starting the season zero and two, and just having some of the issues that they're having, um, you can't really expect much out of them unless they make some dramatic changes. Um, and you know just like the Vipers, they've been throttled twice. Um, coming in at number six, we have the Seattle Sea Dragons. Listen, on paper, this team looks good. You have Josh Gordon, you have, you know, guys that are leading the league in passing and receiving, but they're not translating these to points. And I think the issue with this team is the deep ball. Um, unless it's a screen pass or a very, very short pass, Ben DiNucci has been playing very bad this season and inconsistent. So, um, I think that they need to change their offensive game plan or at least, um, explore the idea of sitting Ben DiNucci on the bench. Um, they could really turn it around and they could make a run, but uh, the division they're in is going to be very tough to make a run at the playoffs. Coming in at number five, we have the Renegades. Um, listen, they're a solid team. They took the ball away from the Roughnecks three times, but they couldn't score, and that's their biggest knock. They can't move the ball down the field. They can't translate to points, and I just think that you know, if you're able to hang with the Roughnecks and you're able to take the ball away from them three times, you should win. That That's a very winnable game. And, um, you know, to only put up 18 points then, that, that's kind of ridiculous to me. All right, coming in at number four, we have the Brahmas, the San Antonio Brahmas. Listen, they're the most underrated team. They are very, very solid. Um, you know, they're obviously they're one and one on the season, but they've played some... Um, you know, very good game so far this season. Um, they did lose to the Battle Hawks in week one in a very close game. And I think that's one of those where, you know, as a new team and new players, um, that's something that could definitely be um, improved upon later in the season. I think that they can hang with any team in the league, but it's a little too early to know, um, you know, truly who they are until they face a really good team, which we'll get into later. Coming in at number three, um, I have the DC Defenders, my team. Listen, they're a balanced team. They have really good options, a great run game, and this allows them to go for the knockout late because they wear down defenses. Um, I need to see them win against a top team to put them in the top two because they haven't faced um, anybody um, overly, overly great yet. But I think that they're a team that, at the end of the day, as long as they stay consistent and um, stay healthy, they'll be able to make a run at the playoffs and potentially the championship. Coming in at number two, I have the Battle Hawks. Um, listen, A.J. McCarron alone gives them a chance. He's an NFL quarterback. 
Um, I, I get it. He was a backup, but he was one of the better backups in the league. Um, now, they did play both games pretty close. Um, one of them was a comeback against the Brahmas. So I do need to see more consistency from this team, but I can't argue with you know what they're doing early in the season and how they can continue to grow throughout. And then coming in at number one, we have the Houston Roughnecks. Um, they are a really, really good team. And so last week they played the Renegades and they gave at least three turnovers. It might have been more because I missed the first like quarter and a half of the game because I was doing some other stuff. And they still won the game convincingly. They have a good team, a good coach, and they're solid top to bottom. And that quarterback, I think his name is Brandon Silvers. Dude, that guy is not afraid to get hit and will literally stay in the pocket to get that ball to the receiver. Um, that's going to be very tough to play against as long as he's healthy throughout the whole season. All right, so moving on to the Week 3 XFL preview. Our first game is going to be the Seattle Sea Dragons versus the Vegas Vipers. Listen, the Sea Dragons should win this game handily, um, but they can't afford to blow this game. They can't overlook it, and they can't continue to play the type of game they've been playing because they know it's not going to translate into wins. They need to um, change their play style and some of their offensive schemes to see what's going to fit them best when they actually go against a team that's not Vegas, that's, um, you know, the laughing stock of the league at this point. Um, as far as Vegas goes, this is probably their best chance outside of the Guardians to pull off a, a W. Next up, we have arguably one of the best games of the week. We have the Defenders versus the Battle Hawks. This should be a really, really good game. Two undefeated teams. It is the battle for the North Division. AJ McCarron, he's going to be a huge factor for the Hawks. But that run game for DC is also going to be huge. And De'Ara King and Jordan Tamu, um, those guys coming together and, and being able to play the style of um, football that they do is going to be very, very good for the D.C. defenders. Um, I think the passing game needs to take a couple extra steps in order to win those big games. But right now, I think it's going to come down to um, a last possession drive, and that's who's going to win the game unless there's a bunch of turnovers. Uh I think this is one of the best games of the week. Uh, next up, we have the Guardians and the Renegades. Um, like I said, with Seattle, the Renegades should win this one easily. And they should be willing to take some risks in this game to see if they can um, figure out some things for um, the times that they do face better teams. Arlington's not a bad team, but they need to figure out what their offensive identity is. Um, this is going to allow them to build more experience and variety in the play calling that they have so that they can utilize that when they're playing against a better team. All right, and the final game. This might be the game of the week. We have the Brahmas versus the Roughnecks. Um, listen, last week the Roughnecks had a bunch of turnover issues and they were still able to win convincingly. So, I think this is going to tell us truly if the Roughnecks are the team to beat or if the Brahmas are severely underrated because of their uh, week one loss. I think this is going to be a really, really good game, and it's going to come down to how Brandon Silvers plays and what Wade Phillips is going to be able to do on that sideline to command a win from his team. All right, so next up, we're going to start with some of the players that were cut today. Um, starting off, we have Carson Wentz. Um, just going to give a brief backstory of Carson Wentz here. Drafted by the Eagles in 2016, 
He played with the Eagles through 2019, um, helped them win a Super Bowl, although he did get hurt that year, and Nick Foles took over and ultimately led them to the Super Bowl and won it. Um, There were a lot of questions about Carson Wentz's character and leadership just because of some of the things he said and did. Um, In his last season, he played horrendously. Um, He was notorious for having injuries. And then Jalen Hurts was drafted that year, and I I don't think that he could handle that after, you know, the whole Nick Foles thing and and then him. So he would go to play for Indianapolis then. Um, Indianapolis would be 9-8, and and they would miss out on the playoffs. You know, a lot of those losses came on, you know, his shoulders for how he played. Then he would go to Washington. Um, His record there would be 2-5. and He would play really bad the whole season. And, you know, a lot of the Washington players were vouching for Taylor Heineke um, and were stating about how Carson Wentz was as a leader. So, listen, Carson Wentz is only 31 years old, if he's even 31 yet. And I just think at this point, Carson Wentz needs to, you know, get away from being a starter and, you know, take a back seat and kind of figure out what he needs to do with his future. Um, personally, I think he's going to go to Kansas City. I think it makes the most sense. Um, Kansas City just lost their backup quarterback, Chad Henney. Um, you know, Wentz is a high-profile backup. Andy Reid is probably going to be able to coach him up, as he's done with a lot of quarterbacks in the past. Um, you know, he'll play backup to... Patrick Mahomes, who does have a slight injury history, so he could get his name back out there on the market. And, you know, I think that's the best thing for Carson. Um, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, he could come back to Philly. Yeah, there's there's no way he's coming back. We don't want him, and he doesn't want to come back. So um, I think it could be Kansas City. Other than that, I do have this, like, sort of out-of-world kind of thought. What if he goes to the XFL? Imagine how big that would be for the XFL. You have a guy who was a high-profile pick, was a really good player. He kind of, you know, lost it, and he goes to the XFL. Like, that would be a big moneymaker, and I think a lot of people would go to see him. But, um, you know, I wish Carson the best. I think his career has been one of the weirdest in NFL history. I mean, you have a guy that, is drafted, plays so, so well in his first two seasons. And then, you know, you have the whole Nick Foles saga and, you know, a lot of teammates speaking out uh, anonymously against him. And then you just have him kind of slowly take those steps downhill. And, you know, he never really regained the playing ability that he had in um, his first couple seasons. So definitely wish him the best of luck. But, Um, We'll definitely see what he decides to do here because I don't think that there's any teams that are willing to take a flyer on him as a a starting quarterback in the league. Next up, we have Marcus Mariota. Um, I'm not going to speak too, too much about this, but, you know, Marcus Mariota came to the Falcons this year. Um, You know, I heard at the end of the season there was some stuff going on in that organization between him and um, some of the other guys on Atlanta or at least the ownership. Um, personally, I think Atlanta's coach is a joke. I mean, some of the stuff that I've heard him say, he's just, um, I wouldn't want to play for him, but, um, you know, Mariota, he, he played decent for what he could do with a a really, really, really bad Atlanta team that 
really had no identity and um, you know, we're playing in a bad division and that's the only reason they really had five wins. But, um, you asked me where I think he could go. I think his number one spot is going to be Philadelphia. <coughs> Excuse me. I think he knows at this point that he's not going to be a starter anywhere and he kind of needs to do what Wentz should do and get his name back out there. And if he goes to play for Philadelphia, Philadelphia just lost their backup or is going to lose him in free agency unless they would resign Gardner Minshew. And the difference is when Gardner Minshew came in, his play style was so different than Jalen Hurts's that he really didn't fit into that system when Hurts went down for a couple weeks. And I think Marcus Mariota is the perfect guy. Um, I don't think he's as athletic or as good as what Jalen Hurts is. Um, Well, not even close, but he is the same style of player, and that will benefit both both um, the organization, Philadelphia, and the player because if uh, Jalen Hurts would go down, he'll get the opportunity to step in and show what he can do. Um, the only other team I could really see him going to is probably Miami. Um, I think this would be a smart move because of Tua's injury history, and this would also give him the opportunity to play with a really, really good offense if something did happen to Tua. All right, so next up we have Kenny Galladay. Um, Listen, Kenny Galladay, when he was with the Lions, was a dangerous receiver. Um, But I think that he was really aided by Matt Stafford, who knew how to utilize him and was a really, really good quarterback. And I think when he went to the Giants, um, things were different because the team wasn't great. Um, They had a quarterback who was still learning and, you know, wasn't – um, elite and still is an elite to throw to him. And I think that Kenny Galladay is still a good receiver. I mean, you can't just drop off that much. And, um, personally, I think he's going to go either wherever Aaron Rodgers goes or to LA or even Kansas city to a quarterback that he's going to feel comfortable with throwing to him and, and utilizing his skill set. So, um, that's personally where I think Kenny G is going to go. All right, so Leonard Fournette is also going to be released on, I believe it's March 15th when the league year starts. Um, See, Leonard Fournette, man, he is 28. He has a lot of mileage on him, injury history. The free agent running back market is going to be absolutely saturated. I could see him going to Miami, Arizona, maybe Tennessee on a cheap deal. Um, If a team could get him as kind of like even even with a team like Philly, which I don't think they'll go after him, but I'm using Philly as an example, that already has you know a strong running back room but could use one more just to be that physical veteran presence, that's what I think Leonard Fournette's going to have to settle for because um, with the running back market being so saturated with Kareem Hunt, Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, um, I don't think the interest is going to be as high for Leonard Fournette. All right, so on to just the regular free agents this year. Um, we're going to have Lamar Jackson to start off. Listen, I don't know where Lamar is going to end up. I hear Atlanta. I, I think he could be a Miami Dolphin. He could stay with Baltimore. But with the amount of guaranteed money that he wants, I don't know that any team should risk it for him. He is a glorified running back that has trouble running the ball and staying healthy or throwing the ball, excuse me, and staying healthy. 
Is he a really, really good player? Yes. Is he the player that will get you to a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. So I think that teams really need to consider their options before, you know, spending a ton of money and draft capital into, um, you know, a guy that doesn't really have a second option, a.k.a. throwing the ball. Um, so I think Miami, Atlanta, uh, maybe even Carolina could be options if, if they're needy enough to go there. Next up, we have Derek Carr. Um, listen, Derek Carr is not a bad player, but it is a little alarming how he played this year with one of the best wide receivers and the best running back in the whole league, um, according to the stats. So I think Derek Carr, people are saying, you know, New Orleans, people are saying um, Carolina, maybe even the Jets. I think those are all good options for him, but I think the dark horse team here is the Patriots. Um, I think if there's one guy that could fix Derek Carr, who's only 32 years old, that would be Bill Belichick. And I think the Patriots are sort of run, uh, running out of patience with um, Mac Jones. So we'll definitely see what happens there. But Patriots are a team to keep on the radar, especially since he only needs to be signed and they don't have to give up much for him. All right, so next up is Daniel Jones. Listen, Daniel Jones is asking $45 million. Yeah, he's only 26 and he's gotten better and, you know, he's been playing on crappy teams. But um, at the end of the day, I would not pay him anything close to that. I think he could end up, you know, playing for um, the Jets or Carolina or, you know, Green Bay might take a flyer on him. But um, I don't know. That's just one of those things where, I mean, even New England, I, I know I keep throwing out New England, but to pay him $45 million. I know they say start high and work low, but dude, he's nowhere near that. And I think, um, you know, the fact that he's act asking that much is maybe just a, uh, a preview that he doesn't want to be with New York and maybe he'll take less for a team that he thinks can do better by him. So we'll definitely see. So I think I'm going to save the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends for the next episode. So we can kind of draw this out a little longer. Um, I do want to talk real quick about the NFL draft before I get into product reviews. And here's the thing. Every year, they hype up these quarterbacks, these Anthony Richardsons, these Will Levises, and they say about how good they've been. Um, listen, the verdict's still out on Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud because they played in some of the best college football offenses in the whole nation. So you're never really going to know what they're going to do, like I've said before, if they go to a Chicago or if they go to a Houston a Houston team. Um, so I think teams really need to think about what they're doing and adding a veteran presence. But, you know, these guys like Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, Dan Campbell said it right. Dan Campbell said, instead of looking at all of these combine stats that they're going to throw in your face and these throws without pressure – you should be looking at how they played this season. Yes, Will Levis might look good throwing the ball. Anthony Richardson might have these off-the-chart skills and, and times, but if you can't translate to the that to the NFL, how much better than Malik Willis are you where you cannot make a read and you cannot do the proper thing? So that's just one of my things heading into the draft. I will break down um, some of the players. Going to be honest with you, um, I don't know how some of these guys that you know, do mock drafts, um, actually do it because I have a hard enough time keeping up with 
not just Penn State, but the teams in the Big Ten. So I don't know how these guys know everything about all these other players. I mean, I, I guess they get paid to do it. Um, I wish that was me. But I will do the best I can to kind of analyze some of these guys' games and, and where I think they're going to go. So next, we will go to the product reviews. All right, so I got a couple product reviews. The first product is going to be one that I've never heard of. It is fries and ketchup flavored Pringles at Walmart. I'm going to give this a 7-2 out of 10. It's it's decent. Um, I think a lot of people are either going to love it or absolutely hate it. So I think it's right in the middle there. Um, for me, this was one of the most interesting flavors because it nailed the literal fries and then the ketchup because of the chip and the seasoning combo. Um Definitely one that I probably wouldn't get again, maybe once more, but it is pretty solid for being an obscure flavor like that. Um, personally, like I said, some people are going to say it's a 1 out of 10. Some people are going to be like, oh, this is a 10 out of 10. I'm going to stick with the 7-2. I think that's fair. Next up, I have Biggs pepperoni flavored, pepperoni pizza flavored sunflower seeds. I'm going to give these like a 5-2 out of 10. Um, okay, they do taste like pepperoni pizza, but how many times can pepperoni pizza be redone? Like, okay, it's just a seasoning on a sunflower seed. Um, it, it's And it's not like this crazy like, oh, wow, they did something different that tastes so good. Um, if I were to go get something pepperoni pizza that was artificial and a snack like that, I would just go get combos. Um, they're not bad, but they're not ones I would chew every day. Um, while I'm at it, I'll tell you personally, um, some of the greatest sunflower seeds I've ever had in my life, probably the fabled David's nacho cheese. I used to have them at baseball all the time. They were just coated in nacho cheese and the nacho cheese had this different flavor to it and made it so good. That is probably tied for first with the single greatest flavor. I believe it's by Biggs. Um, yeah, well, it should be by Biggs. Taco Supreme. If you've never had it, you need to go get it. Taco Supreme, um, Taco Bell edition sunflower seeds. They are literally the greatest thing on earth. Um, for me, those are a solid 10 out of 10. And if I could give it higher than that, I absolutely would. Um, it is the greatest flavoring and it just, wow. Like I used to chew them all day to where the insides of my cheeks would just be like rubbed raw from um, having them in there all day best flavors on earth i know it's not a product that's come out recently and i like to do those but taco supreme 10 out of 10 no questions asked all right so next up i'm going to do a show review um it's going to be of the outer bank series um i'm not going to do an in-depth review of the first and second seasons i don't think it's very necessary um but i am going to give a little blurb and my rating so season one say it was like a nine out of 10 interesting characters. You have an interesting goal and a motive. Um, I thought it was awesome. Season two, um, probably like a six, seven for me. I, I wasn't a big fan of how they went from, um, you know, finding the treasure at home and then they just forget about it and go after this cross. And, um, you know, the relationships weren't that great for me in that second season, but they were okay. 
Then you go to season three. And you have so many plot holes and inconsistencies and just stuff that I look at and I just shake my head and I'm like, really? First off, you forget about both treasures you were hunting and now you're on to El Dorado. But you come back home and act like everything's fine because you don't know that you're going there to find it yet. So you have all these different love triangles and and relationship issues and unnecessary unnecessary plot lines like the girl going to that camp for kids who are bad. Um, the whole fact that they act like they're men in black agents or 007 where that JJ kid can go ride a, a motorcycle off a bridge and he's perfectly fine. Like, oh yeah, like we're going to believe that. I just think like the direction of the show went poorly because it was trying to execute more on, you know, relationships and try and be like other shows that, you know, have that love entanglement. And it just failed because why would you bring back some of these characters after you've already established things? So like the, the blonde hair girl that's married to John B hooks up with that topper guy after she already figured out she wasn't in love with him. And then they have this whole big dramatic scene where she's like, I don't know who I am. It's like, really? You, you are the rich, the, the rich dad's little girl. And you're acting like you don't know who you want to be. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Wasn't a big fan that you had the, the Cameron guy um, act like a good guy and then come back as a bad guy. Like you could see it coming from a mile away. You have John B's dad who was just a maniac the whole time. And it's like, dude, you're not even like that happy to see your son. Like you're still after this treasure, even though like you've almost died how many times and haven't seen your son. Um, also I wasn't a huge fan of Pope not being the one to find the treasure. It would have been like a Goonies type of moment where, you know, the one guy has to step back. I forget what the kid's name was and say, Hey, like this is his treasure. Um, and I think that's what it needed to be because it was his family and his family suffering that like led to this. And it was his history. And I understand that, you know, John B's dad and, and Sarah's dad were looking for it, but that doesn't really matter. So, um, I don't know that, that just kind of irritated me. Um, at the, uh, Rafe, the son, why would you bring him in and then kind of give him like this small redemption arc, even though, you know, he's still a douchebag. Um, at the end of the show, you literally had all the parents yelling and screaming and, and being so happy that they found what they did, but they took no time to be like, Hey, let's sort out. Uh, I forget what the girl's name is that was hooking up with JJ, but to kind of you know, fix their differences and all of them kind of come to a unanimous, like, Oh, like it was just a misunderstanding or, um, Pope's parents saying sorry to him. Um, you know, all the secrets getting spilled, like none of that happened. And then the real kicker is at the very end, you have these people come up and say, would you kids like to search for the, we'd like you to search for the, um, treasure of Blackbeard or something like that. It's like, okay. So the parents are literally the ones that gave them all the information on how to find this stuff. And you think that they're going to be able to find Blackbeard's treasure when there's professionals that can't do it? Like, come on now. I just, I don't know. All the unnecessary BS. 
all of just the, oh, let's forget about the treasure of the first two seasons and keep going for the third treasure. Like, it, it just didn't make sense. And I, I don't understand it. But I'm giving the show a 4 out of 10. The reason, you know, there's a couple good parts. I'm glad they ended it here with that storyline. Um, I will not be watching the next couple of seasons, but that's my opinion on it. Um, I'm sure I could go into more lengthy details about what I didn't like or did like. But at this point, you kind of know how I feel and get the gist of the main important parts. All right, so I'm going to discuss something with you guys that really, really irritates me and gets under my skin. Every morning, not every morning, but a couple mornings a week, I go to Taco Bell, I get breakfast. You get their $5 bell box. You get two hash browns, a crunch wrap, and a drink. It's a good deal. Because usually I'm too lazy to make stuff in the morning, and I really don't eat anything else throughout the day. So maybe a snack here and there, but that's it. Like, nothing crazy. Anyway, you know, these people take 10 minutes to come up and take your order and do different things when there's literally no one in the in the uh, drive through line. And I just kind of sit there and it's like, okay, that doesn't really bother me. Like, I can wait. But they have a young man who came in. And I'm going to say young man because I'm just going to say young man because I don't really care. Young man. And he goes, hey, like, I submitted an application um, you know, there are open interviews Wednesday and Friday. It's said on the sheet or Wednesday or Sunday or whatever it is. Today's Wednesday. So the guy goes, hey, like, I want to do an open interview. Like, I'd like to get started. You know, I want to make some money. I want to be able to work. And, um, you know, I'm here and I show you I care. And this was probably about 1045. It's now 1115. So that's about a half hour. The guy who is supposedly the manager had no idea what was going on no idea that there were even open interviews. And he said, oh, well, we'll just sit you down and then we'll call you when we figure something out. They didn't talk about it. They didn't discuss it. And when I left, the guy was still sitting there looking around like, what the hell? Like, I I just want to get an open interview. So you guys know that I'm not actually like just here to apply and then quit right away. So that's one of my big thing with things with businesses is like, so everybody wants to complain and, and you know, gripe and groan that, oh, we don't have any workers. Like, what are we going to be able to do? Well, maybe if you would take the extra five minutes when you're not even busy and sit this guy down for an interview and say, okay, when can you start? I mean, it's not that hard. And if they're not willing to hire people, then that's on them. You know, they shouldn't be complaining that, oh, well, we don't have people. They're sitting there right in front of you. So that's just one of the complaints I have because it's like I turned around, I'm looking at this guy, and this guy's just kind of, he just looks at me and he shrugs his shoulders and he's like basically saying, well, if these people don't want me or aren't going to show me the time of day, I'll go down the street to McDonald's where they'd be more than happy to take me on. So that's just my rant of the day. So for those of you that don't know me too, too well, um, I worked at Wise Markets for like over three years and I have seen some of the dumbest customers come through. And when I mean dumb, I mean they would just do the stupidest things and ask the stupidest questions. And now this is a a rant that I, like it's not anything that really bothers me. It's just something that I want to rant about because I think it's hilarious. But there's times that I'll go to Walmart or GameStop or any of these other stores. Half the time, I'll wear something that, okay, I can understand. Maybe you thought I was an employee, but the other half of the time, it's something that looks nothing like a Walmart 
a Walmart employee's like getup or what they would wear their uniforms or whatever. So I'm in at Walmart today and I'm wearing my, my nice Phillies jacket. It's, it's maroon. And then the shoulder sleeves are white with maroon pinstripes, like the old Phillies colors used to be. Um, shout out Eli Ritter. He picked that up for me at the, the thrift store probably about six months ago, but, um, great deal. Great jacket. I love it. But anyway, so I'm standing in the aisle looking for a new aux cord. Cause of course, you know, my aux cords decide to break after a couple months. And this lady goes, sir, I really need your help. I've been waiting here a while, but I didn't think anything of it. And she goes, sir, did you not hear me? So at this point, okay, my interest is kind of peaked. So I just kind of turn around. She's looking at me. I said, I said, what's going on? She goes, don't you work here? And I was like, no, I don't work here. So I always wear my, my Oakley lanyard. It's like a snow camo or whatever you want to call it color. And she's like, well, I saw that lanyard. So I thought you worked here. And I was like, I didn't say anything. And I walked away, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm wearing a maroon shirt with white pinstripe sleeves. And you're, and you can see me because I'm tall enough to have at least my midsection over the center of those, those small aisles that are in electronics. And you're telling me that you thought I was a Walmart employee. And this isn't the first time, you know, there's been other times that it's been crazy like that, where I'm just like, no, I don't work here. And usually I'm nice enough to be like, oh, well, is there something you had a question with? Because I know these people take a while, but today I was just kind of like, wow, she was so rude. And she didn't even like come over and say, Hey, like I can, I can come over, talk to you real quick and then take you over where I need to be. Because you know, Walmart employees aren't floating around 24 seven helping people. Like usually you got to go find them. So I just thought it was a funny story to share. Um, maybe I'll, I'll put on the Instagram, a picture of the jacket that I'm wearing. So you guys can get an idea of uh, what, what it looks like and what she mistakenly um, took for a Walmart employee. So yeah, there's my story of the day. All right, so in some other sporting news, um, Penn State Wrestling won the Big Ten again. Um, Max Dean and Greg Kirklevy lost, but Aaron Brooks won, Carter Storacci, um, Thurman Bravo Young, and more impressively, true freshman Levi Haynes. Listen, Penn State, how many national titles and Big Ten titles have they won in the last, what, 11 or 12 years? I understand it's not college football. I understand it's not maybe basketball and some of these other sports. But you cannot deny that Penn State wrestling probably has the greatest college dynasty ever. And they're not done yet. They're not going to be done for a while. You have head coach Cal Sanderson, who his whole life is wrestling, and that's what he's going to be married to until he's too old to do it. And you just have these guys that keep stepping in because of how good that wrestling room is. Um, congratulations to Penn State. Now they go on to the big NCAA tournament. Um, but yeah, that's just crazy to me. And you know, you have guys, uh, maybe not Greg Kirklevate, but um, you have like Max Dean. 
Yes, he lost in the Big Tens, but he still gets to go compete for a national championship, and anything can happen. So um, I, I think they're in really good hands for years to come. And, I mean, to say that they're anything other than, you know, one of the greatest, if not greatest, college, college dynasties ever is just foolish to me. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode. The next episode, which is going to be episode 20, should be out Thursday or Friday. We'll do a lot recapping the XFL Week 3. Um, definitely some NFL draft stuff. Guys, you just got added to the trade block from the NFL. So there's a lot to talk about. So I hope everyone has a good one. And if you're on spring break, please don't be an idiot like most of you people are. Have a good one.